This is a Honky Tonk Man, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, and you're listening to The Wrestler Review. I fuck feet. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, we are, of course, going to talk about the man we talked about last week a bit, Tony Motherfudging Atlas. Frig. Don't think you should say fudge and then introduce a black man. Dylan is racist. I am not. Ladies and gentlemen, Tony Atlas. Absolutely not racist. Absolutely fine. I'm woke. That's not true. Opposite day. Tony <laughs> Atlas, this guy might have had the worst upbringing of any professional wrestler I've heard of. YOLO. Like, that's true. And also, has it scarred him for life and made him a shifty weirdo that refuses to wear sleeves? Fuck. Yeah. Tony Atlas. I mean, if you had that muscle definition at 60, you would also not wear sleeves. I don't wear sleeves right now because I. that's letting everybody know that this skin don't got protection and my dick skin don't use protection. As you know, this is a podcast that discourages condoms. We will be doing free public service announcements for getting in there and letting that pussy juice soak all over your hard cock. <laughs> most, most podcasts are sponsored by Audible.com. We are sponsored by yes. GoingRawDog.com, which I'm yeah. sure is a website <laughs> that is weird. Having kids at 20, the wrestler review, leave it in. Let nature do its thing. Yeah, but you do what Tony Atlas's dad, Tony Atlas, by the way, born Anthony White, April 23rd, 1954, in Clifton Forge, uh, and then later was raised in Low Moor in Allegheny County, Virginia. My fucking God, what a country boy. He's a country boy, and essentially he was raised in a field by people who said, know your place, and yeah. that was his entire childhood. Holy fuck. Holy fuck, this guy's childhood is a tire fire. Listen, Low Moor, uh, Virginia, did not recognize the 13th Amendment. They were like, nah, do over. <laughs> yeah, he was in one of the places where it's like, no, the South won. Why? Because we don't recognize no damn Yankees. I, it's the thing that I'll never understand about America. A country obsessed with winning and still they're like, but we got to keep this reminder of the time a bunch of us fucking lost. And by the way, let me speak on this. The fucking Confederacy were so fucking ahead in that war and still fucked it up because they're all fucking dumb racist dicks with soft brains, and I hope they all get fucked. Hey, Ted Nugent, take the fucking Confederate flag and shove it up your nose, you pedophile. Now back to a man who's not a pedophile, Tony Atlas. I have many opinions about the Civil War that will be now couched in favor of talking about a man who somehow did uh was addicted to hard drugs that made him lose 80 pounds of muscle mass and then just gained it back because sometimes steroids are the answer to your fucking problems john fuck yeah t- the, the, listen my dick was not 15 inches it was only 12 inches put steroids in my dick mm, 15 inches now around <laughs> yeah exactly it's it's a problem yeah like, my dick is very infected right now, much like how Tony Atlas's bad, ch- like, really rough childhood infected his personality for the rest of his life. But much like Tony Atlas, my dick looked good. Also, here's a di- difference between my dick Have you heard about this? To- yes, sir. This is going to be a left turn, but this is just about huge hogs. 
<laughs> Do you know John Hamm has to have the crotch of every pair of pants let out because otherwise his huge hog is too big and it'll like ruin the movie? <laughs> did I you did. know that about John Hamm? He's got like such a huge hog that he has like to let out every pair of pants. I did not know that, but I love. And there's that. a whole sub part of the internet that this female comedian showed me that's just John Hamm in sweatpants. <laughs> and it's just. And it's just it's just a just a eyesore. Like it, if you look at that as a man, you're like, I'm just gonna stay inside and have a bath. <laughs> I <laughs> am and not a man. If you want to <laughs> do us a favor here at the rest review, could you please tweet photos of John Hamm's big dick to Graham K. That's at Graham K. Comedy. John Hamm's big dicks. One time drunk, he told me, "I think I look like John Hamm," and this will be very funny because he definitely doesn't remember saying that, but I do. That's very funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> D- saying you just look like John Hamm. That's like whenever someone watches a TV show and they're like, uh, what character from uh, Game of Thrones are you? I see myself as a uh, combination of the mountain and Jon Snow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got the sexual prowess of Podrick Payne and the wit of Braun. <laughs> but let's talk Tony Atlas. Tony Atlas was one of nine children absentee father who just got drunk because god damn it this was the 50s and that's how things happened it's basically it, what it seems like is he had sex with this a woman nine times and then was like what the fuck's all these fucking things on the ground and she's like there are <laughs> there are children and he went bye and just left i don't know how to tell you this woman but you got nine living breathing eating food herpes on you yeah it's weird to think that in the 50s the equivalent of herpes was just children <laughs> Yeah, the farthest. I don't know, man. They also had. Uh, they also had syphilis. No, that's true. What would you rather have, syphilis or syphilis then or AIDS now? I would take AIDS now. I would take AIDS now because I might be able to meet Magic Johnson and confirm or deny what a lot of black comedians in Los Angeles have been telling me. Hot take, by the way. Magic Johnson doesn't have AIDS. It was just used as a way to suspend him because he had gambling debts. I mean, that's that's a crazy conspiracy. And. Let me tell you how it was told to me. I walked into a green room and a guy went, nice to meet you. Do you think Magic Johnson has AIDS? <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Cut the bullshit. Let's talk Magic Johnson's health. Yeah. Also, another thing that this was originally posited by Dick Gregory, which is there are two Donald Trumps and one of them's gay. <laughs> I mean, let's let's do it. Let's talk conspiracy theories. Yeah. <laughs> it's the weirdest ones. <laughs> yeah. Just like, mm, one of them's gay is my best part. But why would there need to be two of them? Because the straight one doesn't want you to find out about the gay one. And the gay one doesn't want you to find out about the straight one. Oh, that would make a lot of sense. Which one's been tweeting? Okay, you want to want to hear a almost Buck Zumoff-esque sad thing? Actually, it's not Buck Zumoff-esque. No. But here, it, here, <laughs> let's have a sad paragraph. Bring it on. Sad. 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 Tony's father used to spend all the family's money on money on booze and gambling, then come home and beat his mother. Beat his mother. When his mother finally got sick of this, she bought uh, or borrowed a gun, and then she came into the. He came to her in the kitchen of their home. She pushed him onto the lit stove and set his pants on fire. He said he was going to kill her, so she pulled out the gun and fired on him. He managed to get away with Tony's mother, saying. He was lucky bullets didn't travel around corners. Tony didn't see his father again until he was 21. And then everyone just expects that guy to not have a huge drug problem (laughs) when he gets money? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, no, like, Tony Atlas, the more you read about him, the more you're like, well, this was bound to happen. 
Like, it's also interesting, and we'll get, like, as he starts breaking into wrestling, the people that he considers father figures that no one else likes. Yeah, that is absolutely crazy. And uh, so he would go, apparently, and during his childhood, Tony would go two to, th- uh, two to three days without eating. And he used to have a saying that said, you've got to eat dirt before you die anyway, because he would just eat shit that he found on the ground. Oh, my God. Please, Tony, let's have a hug. He, like, it's just fucking brutal. He says the stereotype of black people liking chicken comes from... Yeah, this uh, is really su- interesting. Sundays being the only day they could find work and return for meat. Um, so that day, uh, that was the day farmers killed their livestock. So Tony basically lived off of chick- uh, cabbage and eggs some days. But on Sundays, he'd very be able to get a variation on his diet because someone would pay him in meat. Like, do you understand... How, like, this poor fucking guy, like, he's getting paid in meat, his, what's those holes in the wall? Oh, that's from when my mom tried to shoot my dad. Why did she try and do that? Oh, because he thought she was a punching bag. Hey, where are four of your siblings? Oh, I don't know. Well, also, the other one is, like, uh, the other aspect of this that he doesn't even touch on is, like, and we got paid in food. What would you do for housing? Figured it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. just a level of poverty that we'll never know. The southern United States, in some parts, is flat out haunted with how impoverished the people are. My God, like you look at photos of Memphis, Tennessee, for example, and it's like, here's the downtown area, three streets. Here's the suburbs, and it's just people living in sheds. Like you can understand intellectually why someone would vote for Donald Trump if you spent eight years being like. Well, the Democrats were in power, and I just literally had to drink my own pee. Let's vote for this man <laughs> who lives in a gold castle who says he's going to open the coal mine. Like, there is a there is a reason that this has happened, and this sort of stuff is still happening, and it's fucking crazy. Now, enough laugh, enough sadness. Let's talk about laughter. As a child, every Sunday, church ladies would frequent Tony Atlas's house. And afterwards, they would take off their shoes and walk around filling the shed he lived in with the smell of feet. This gave Tony Atlas the most intense foot fetish I have ever seen in my entire fucking life. He will not talk to a woman if she's wearing heels. He wants flat shoes. um, And he wants them to walk on his face while he jacks off. Who told us this? His name was Hala Hala Hala. Tony Atlas, or holla holla holla, Teddy Long, pardon me, who had to stop Tony Atlas from trying to fuck an 80-year-old woman when they were in a grocery store when they were both in the NWA. Holla holla holla. That sounds great. Yeah. And this is why Teddy Long's the best, is that he talked about that that being weird, what you have to do is just fuck women. And that's why it's like, Tony Law, Long, you, fu- Teddy Long, you fucking rule. Just have a lot of sex. <laughs> So the so the continued weirdness of Tony Atlas is this. Basically, he was found classic wrestler-wise. He's fucking huge because he's only done manual labor his entire, not even adult life, into adolescence. And he's working at a YMCA. And he is uh, discovered where Klondike Bill, of if you've ever listened to the Tony Schiavone podcast, you know Klondike Bill, uh, famous for, amongst other things, finding panties in a parking lot and then licking them. Uh, no, no, chewing them. It's much better. Oh, he chewing them. them. I am so sorry. <laughs> this che- man, employed for years, <laughs> chewed found panties. Not only that, 
um, fucked a girl with a kielbasa and then made breakfast with it and enjoyed a kielbasa. I mean, I don't believe that man was ever near a woman. <laughs> Again, but I fucked a girl. That's a goat with a wig on. Yeah. It's a girl. <laughs> yeah. If it's got long hair, counts as a girl. That's it's how a that girl happens. goat, though. Girl goat. <laughs> this is the other insane thing that, and the more we do this podcast, the more I realize is absolutely that guy fucked women. Because if you're in the, you're in the, like Carolina territory, like they're the fucking rock stars in the town. These are like the difference between the reason why the WWE was able to take over is it was based in New York, but the big popular, really amazing wrestling was all in fucking like po hunk fucking Tennessee. And so if like a guy with a big bushy beard and a job is in town, you're going to fuck him. Yeah. That's the weird thing. That's the thing you discover about wrestling. The more you read about it is it sounds weird, but like I, I do wish that wrestling I think that to actually really understand pro wrestling, you probably have to go to like exactly like you just have to go to an indie show in Tennessee. I forget who it was. I think it's Cody Deaner, uh, some TNA guy. Yo, man, he was just some innocuous lower, lower mid card or maybe Trent Beretta. Someone like that was talking about how he made his living for like six months just doing county fairs where all he had to do is he showed up. And then it would be like, I'm from Arkansas in Tennessee. And people would be like, you get the hell out of my rig. And then he'd be like, bow, bow, choose her there. Bow. (laughs) (laughs) I heard they encourage seeing books there and I don't like it. You got a ski hill in your state. Get the (laughs) fuck out. (laughs) I heard they allow yoga pants within those premises. Get out of here. I would like to know why you were wearing an open-toed shoe three days after Sunday, sir. (laughs) So, uh, Sandy Scott and George Scott were the people that found Tony Atlas. And by finding, it means walk up to a guy who's lifting in a gym and go, you look nice, come with me. And then that guy says, well, I have no other options in life. Let's go with these two old guys who are rubbing my arms. I thought it was worse. I thought he was discovered by Ole Anderson. I thought Ole Anderson was like, no. Oh, it's it's a day that ends in Y. I have to call a black person a hard N with a hard R. There's one. No. Too big. Only Ole Anderson, um, because Teddy Atlas is apparently his brother Charles had 25 inch arms just because he did manual labor and never lifted a weight in his life. But then they took him to a gym and Charles could bench over 500 pounds. And Ole Anderson wanted to get Charles into wrestling and it didn't end up working out. And I assume the reason it didn't end up working out was because Charles turned to his brother and said, Why do you allow these people to treat you like this? and walked. Hopefully into a nice life. I thought Charles became a career criminal. Maybe he did. No, it's his brother Walter who was a career criminal. Ended up in... There's uh, nine of them. Yeah. Well, he only he only knows five of them. Four of them he's never seen. He hasn't seen since he was cool. three. Because America, cool. America was really great. And if you were a super poor family, social services would just take a bunch of kids away. And you'd never see them again. Because fuck you. YOLO. Sad. 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 They arranged for Klondike Bill to uh, meet up and take Tony Atlas to Charlotte to meet the Crockett's. This is at the urging, of course, of the Scots, Sandy and George. Uh, allow me to explain who those are. George Scott was the famous first booker uh, when Jim Crockett Jr. took over uh, Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, also famous for booking uh, during the WCW uh, transition. 
from NWA Midlantic into WCW when he had Alzheimer's. Sandy Scott uh, is a television producer and was basically in the production side of Mid-Atlantic and then went on to work for Turner Broadcasting in the Switch. And let me tell you how big of a piece of shit George Scott is. Sandy Scott did not speak to his brother for 30 years, although they worked together for a good portion of that time. Bear in mind, so when they are speaking to Tony Atlas during this time period, they are not speaking to each other. They drove to the gym in silence, spoke to Tony Atlas as separate people not acknowledging that they were there, and then drove back in silence. They spoke one time... Jesus fucking Christ. One time in the 90s for four seconds, and Jim Carnett described it as Sandy saying, essentially, that's why I don't talk to that guy. And it's fucking crazy. No one has a good thing to say about George Scott except Tony Atlas. Ric Flair says he was a good booker in the 70s, and then when he came back in the 90s, he was a fucking buffoon, which is basically what happened is he had a great reputation in both the w- or in Mid-Atlantic and the WWF, but then he kept working well past his mental capacity, allowing him to, and that's how you get things like, um, uh, famously, he will, I think it was him that put the belt on. Lex Luger and then immediately turned him heel, I believe. But he was the first booker brought in under Jim Hurd that then led to a booking committee, which Jim Cornette was on. For more information about that, just watch any uh, Jim Cornette shoot interview. Allow me to sum up what he says about it. You fucking can't. That's about it. Yeah, he's pretty much. What the fuck? You should have had the Midnight Express win the world title twice, and then Ric Flair comes, and he sucks my dick dressed as a gimp. Like, I want to know what sex stuff Jim Cornette is into. Like, I would pay a premium amount of money on Patreon if he was just like, after we, after I read wrestling and my my missus shakes my balls, we rev up the Tower of Power and then, I come on a gold <laughs> tooth. <laughs> I shove a bunch of Confederate memorabilia in my anus and she calls me Robert E. Lee. And then I shit. And then I take a big shit. Or maybe it's just like mi- missionary, but we're both dogs. <laughs> My girlfriend dresses as a Sprite can, and then I fuck her. <laughs> yeah, he's only into he's only into corporate mascot sex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some people will call me a furry fucking cunt, but I don't like fur. I like smooth metal on my fucking cock. <laughs> I dress up as the Toronto Raptors mascot She dresses up as the New York Knicks mascot And then we get down <laughs> I dr- Let me fucking tell you something about Ring of Honor The reason why I left there is They stole my Philly frenetic uniform That I was going to use to fuck my wife on our wedding day <laughs> Um. So left turn But Tony Atlas uh, was trained by Mr. Fuji Ole Anderson, Larry Sharp And Ken Patera one of these things is not like the other. I'm assuming Oli was the uh, technical wrestling. Larry Sharp was the how you present yourself as a large wrestler. Mr. Fuji interviews. And Ken Patera handled the here is when and how you vandalize a McDonald's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it was basically he was trained by three psychopaths and Ken Patera, who was just a drunk man. Yeah. Well, Ken Patera is like a, he was also a power lifter. And uh, very famously, <laughs> they wouldn't give him burgers in a McDonald's, so he smashed it. <laughs> he also very uh, very famously uh, showed up to his Olympic powerlifting event hungover and smoking a cigarette. <laughs> if you watch a lot of 
athletic stuff from the 70s, though, you'll see people smoking, and that is wonderful. I have to say, I've said this before and I've said it again, sports are haven't been fun since the middle 80s. When they started making athletes work out as opposed to, you've got natural ability, now let's push that to its bounds of reason by not taking care of yourself, <laughs> it really yeah. lost its... Like Everyone's like, how are they only getting concussions now? And it's like, well, because the NFL up until the mid-80s was just a bunch of cokehead used car dealers just getting out the aggression they no longer could get out on their wives because of the police. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just like... I think he has concussion. What does that mean? Well, his face is full of blood and his mouth has no teeth in it. That's a concussion, right? Get him a beer. Get him a beer. Thin that blood. Thin it. <laughs> I think Terry Bradshaw said that the old concussion test was how many fingers and it was always two, so they would just say two. And the, thing, <laughs> the thinking was if they said not two, they were like, oh, this guy's fucked up because he knows it's two fingers. <laughs> that, that, was, that was the old concussion protocol. <laughs> I have to say this. Like, Terry Bradshaw has the most laissez-faire uh, attitude to the fact he knows he's dying of dementia. Like, that guy yeah, exactly. just, <laughs> just treat, like, just like, uh, let me, I'll never forget the time I felt my neck actually physically move. Hey, what are you going to do? All right, I'm going to go forget <laughs> what my wife's name is. See you later. You're watching some sort of show on some sort of thing that I think is a demon. All right, on to you. <laughs> Back to you, Jim Brown, who I'm convinced is the singer. That's... Yeah, well, I mean, that's like, how many fingers? February. That's the second <laughs> month. Send them back in. Yeah. How many fingers? Fuck you in England only? Ah, very good. He remembers that he's never been there, but he's read a book. Get in there, Howie. <laughs> as long as he knows it's, it's a how, thing. It's Howie Long now. Who I, I have to say, the fact that no one brings up the fact Howie Long had a movie career, I'll never understand. Man, he was good. Third billing in Broken Arrow, thank you very much. Really? Yeah, Christian Slater, John Travolta, Howie Long. He's uh, He almost was The Rock before The Rock. Yeah, here's the one problem, though, is The Rock has charisma and electricity, and Howie Long comes across like a wet handshake, no matter the situation. I don't think he has electricity. Yeah, no. What he, would you say The Rock has electricity? You'd, <laughs> you've watched too many wrestling things. Of course I have. <laughs> I was on an airplane yesterday, and I had downloaded off of the internet... Uh, Wrest WrestleMania six to just watch on the plane to calm me down. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Did you know this? Yeah. Here's part of his training. Mr. Fuji made him run in front of his car when he was driving, <laughs> then speed up and slow down to control his pace. Like, I mean, that's the fucking craziest thing I've ever heard in my fucking life. <laughs> here's what? what Larry Sharp would. Here's what Larry Sharp would do. He oh. would draw cards with the number of squats. Uh, and push-ups that Tony Atlas had to do, then immediately shoot fighters would come in and beat the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've done 10,000 squats? Here's Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Oh, you just did 5,000 squats? Meet my friend Billy Robinson. hey -ya! Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Were, they training, were they training Tony Atlas to just be dead? <laughs> well, that's the whole thing about training wrestlers in the 70s, is, is basically the entire thing was... Uh, Let's teach them how to wrestle. And by that, I mean act out fantasies that have not been actualized since the 1500s. Yeah, it's just like... Outside, they got electricity, but in here is the dark ages. Now spread them. <laughs> like, how often do you think that Tony Atlas, after being chased around a southern town by a Hawaiian man in a bowler hat pretending to be Asian, did he just think, like, you're living the dream, Tone? <laughs> I think that... 
when you've had as horrible a childhood as not eating for two to three days, doing a thousand squats, and then, like you said, having Billy Robinson or like a Briscoe brother come in and beat the living shit out of you, you just think, no, you don't think that this hurts. You think, this is only an hour of this. Yeah. Oh, this isn't right. my... At least these people aren't my dad. <laughs> well, it's just, this ends. That's for sure what he thought. Yeah, this ends. Oh, that's the most fucking depressing thing this show has ever fucking said. Oh, Billy. No, it's not. Billy Robinson is literally removing his shoulder so- uh, his shoulder bone from his shoulder socket, and he's just thinking like, pretty soon I get to go in a house that I own a portion of. Like, oh. <laughs> That's pretty much it. If Ric Flair's promos were like, uh, I'm going to fuck every woman and drink all the liquor, Tony Atlas's promos should have been like, I have a hotel room. All my family lives there. It's the biggest place we've ever been to. We drink the toilet water. I don't care what you say. <laughs> so he, he bought a Cadillac, a 1969 Cadillac, and he starts competing in fitness competitions. Essentially... This means he's going to win one of them, and then that's going to be his nickname. And he, of course, wins Mr. USA, which was changed from Mr. America, uh, because he started competing in bodybuilding competitions in the 70s, starting in Virginia, under the AAU rules, uh, WBBG and IFBB, because they love doubles, <laughs> doubles in these bodybuilding things. Can I fucking things, say this about bodybuilding competitions? Is who the f- like, Say what? it. They have so many fucking organizations for something no one cares about. Yep. Like... After a disagreement between executives running the competitions, the NPC, National Physique Committee, was formed, and instead of competing for the title of Mr. America, which he had previously done, he began competing for the title Mr. USA. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, what's the point of bodybuilding? Like, it's just Vince McMahon, hard as a fucking rock, and then no one else in the audience. Yeah. Bodybuilding seems like it's like open mic comedy, where it's like the only people here are the friends of the people, and everyone's like, "This is okay, right?" <laughs> yeah, it would be like it's like fucking. It would be like watching something if it was just a, like hockey was just skills. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing about Tony Atlas, though. Uh, this guy, in layman's terms, is fucking stacked. Like he is, he has the craziest body I've ever seen. Oh my god! You look at him in the early '80s, and it's. He, like if he had been in the WWE as the same time as Hulk Hogan, totally healthy, Hulk Hogan would look like a fat piece of shit. Well, that's what uh, McMahon says essentially when he has to fire Tony Atlas. He's like, "Look at Hulk Hogan. That should have been you. That could have been you, and that would have been you." That was what he said to him. Wow. But I don't believe that because if you look at Hogan and you look at Tony Atlas, one of them is um, white. I agree. No, I was gonna say. Yeah, no, Dylan. Clearly, you know, I don't agree Hulk with your Hogan racism, is but better I see your all point. around as a professional wrestler. Say what you just said again, because I talked over you calling you a racist. Clearly, Hulk Hogan is just a better professional wrestler. Like Tony Atlas, people cheer for him, and he goes, "Please stop that." Do you understand how bad Behave you yourself. have to be at pro wrestling for someone to say, "Well, clearly Hulk Hogan's better at this than you." The man who just punched someone three times, lay down, and then dropped his leg. Now that man's a dynamo. Hogan was amazing for going. Um, for just le- for being a crowd, uh, like a cheerleader, and you have to remember this is the '70s when people are like, "Oh, Dory Funk Jr. That was a wrestler. Watch one of his matches. Arm bar, arm lock, arm bar, toe hold done. That was 90 minutes." Yeah, no, 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 no. I absolutely, totally agree. But I just, it's just like, yeah. So let's take a break and then talk about Tony Atlas's professional wrestling career because we haven't even started that yet. 
Yeah, guys, we've been too busy just really enjoying our time. What do you have to look for in the second half? Bruiser Brody murder. Saba Simba. Dylan being really honest about his views. John is going to say what he thinks of them, and it's pretty much Saba Simba. Mm. All that after the break. This one will be even shorter. Patreon.com backslash rest of the review. You know why to go there, and if you don't, suck it. There's shit on my ass. Welcome back. Uh, Tony Atlas is now a wrestler. Hope it goes well. He's a wrestler. All right, see you later, everybody. Goodbye. Uh, 1975, he starts wrestling for the NWA in the Mid-Atlantic because when you're sexy as a man and you're hot and you're buff and you're ripped and your quads are ooh so tight, you get to do the real good promotions immediately. This is the only good turn he's ever had in his life, and I guarantee people were jealous of him when they knew both their parents and their parents would call and just be like are you hungry you look hungry on tv <laughs> yeah i guarantee that tony atlas like the first thing he did most people first thing you do with your paycheck is buy a car the first thing he did with his paycheck is like i'm gonna buy one of those things that makes the food hot in your house a fire <laughs> i'm gonna do one of those things where it makes it hot but there's no fire i don't understand yeah, how don't, that is i think it's a demon Pardon me, man at Sears. <laughs> Could I have one of your demon's mouths? Oh, yes. <laughs> You're one of the white boys. Right this way. His actual name was Anthony White. I'm not making some sort of racial comment. I'm not dealing no, with No, you are. No, you are. Yeah, you're right. He was stuck in tag teams because Tony Atlas basically, when you're a bodybuilder, you're not the most athletic guy in the world. Yeah. I know that seems... Allow me to explain. All those muscles and stuff like that really hinder your movements. And it's also like the... Like, the actions and moves you can do are very specific because uh, of the size of your body. It's basically, if you watch all the superhero movies, notice how ripped but lean all of those actors are. Is because they have to be incredibly dynamic, but um, they also have to look really cut. So they essentially just eat vegetables and run 11 hours a day. Yeah, like watch any fight. Uh, Any fight uh, below like the heavyweight division where you can kind of just be a slob because you're so big that no one's as big as you. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, like just lean, lean cut, sexy muscle. Yeah, like what I have on my dick and what Dylan jacks off to. Dylan Dylan jacks off to my dick. That's exactly it. I jack off to John's dick. It's true. Like it's a nice dick and also I have tits drawn on it. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Yeah, John got a plastic surgery so he has titties on his dick. I say (laughs) if Kid Rock hadn't gone country, that would have been the name of his next new metal album. (laughs) Kid Rock, man, he sold out. He sold out his rap metal roots. Yeah. How dare you? So... Tony Atlas has some tag team partners, and it's basically a lineup of insane people. Tommy Rich, Dick Murdoch, and Rocky Johnson. I want to know what the fuck it was like for Dick Murdoch and Tony Atlas to hang out. He said him and Tommy Rich were like lifelong friends and friends to this day because Redneck doesn't have a color. They're both Rednecks, which is very nice. Yeah. Um, and Dick Murdoch came in and said Redneck does have a color. Yeah, of course he did. He was like, <laughs> he, he barged into that shooting interview while Tony Atlas was saying it. And the ghost of Dick Murdoch <laughs> yeah. just came in. He's like, Redneck do that color. Yeah. The color is white. By the way, for those of you who don't get that joke, he, Dick Murdoch was a horrific racist. Yeah, Dick Murdoch, uh, according to Tito Santana's book, uh, left his card, his business card for the Ku Klux Klan in his locker. And then Tito Santana looked at it horrified and Dick Murdoch went some basically said something like, just so you know. Like, great. 
which is cool because I would love to have a business card like that's from like a volunteer organization I'm from because I assume the clan is volunteer only no you know I have no idea like what if like if I got what if you got business cards from just like a bowling league you were in? <laughs> Dylan got 10 pin classics this is my business card this is my business cards as you'll note I'm part of the over 30s Menzo Crystal Choir. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm the corn only choir. <laughs> we all we do is freak on a leash every weekend. <laughs> Just the part where they go back, back to um, ducky, ducky, ducky. I, that I want- that is the only song we know. It's just part of a song. Really. I so badly want to start a men's over 30 corn only choir. I mean, we live in the same city again. We'll do it. Oh, my God. Oh, I can't wait till things bottom out here in Los Angeles and I'm back and be like, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the men's over 30 Papa Roach choir. <laughs> and a one and a two and a one, two, three, four. Pull my life into pieces. This is my this last, is a last resort. resort. Suffocation. Just no feeling. Don't give a fuck if, a beep, a beep, if I cut my arm bleeding. This is my last resort. Dylan doesn't know his wife's name and he can sing that entire song. I don't know my wife's name. I've forgotten it. Yeah. I've done. I'm too busy being full of cup. Now listen, he joins up with Rocky Johnson. This is quite possibly his most famous tag team partner, and luckily they did not fucking get along at all. Rocky at all. Tony Hollis has been quoted as saying, I don't know what's wrong with that man, but he wanted to be everything but black. You know that Tony Atlas, if you aren't proud of your skin color, you know Tony Atlas is going to say something weird to you. Tony Atlas, uh, he also has a weird... Weird opinion on racism and wrestling basically says that it's kind of like uh, you because there were so few black wrestlers uh, who would basically I would say the there are so few black wrestlers because so much little of them would put up with the fucking bullshit from these fucking weirdos. Um, he said because there were so few black wrestlers that you kind of got pushed to the top pretty quickly. Exactly. Also, here's when I read that um in the research here's what i thought repeating that made me feel icky you're not (laughs) going to be racist to tony atlas i don't know i think that dick murdoch would be he he says that wrestling dick murdoch must have sucked because at some point in the match you just had to have a shoot fight i don't know i don't think i don't know it's hard to say because he doesn't he speaks on tommy rich and he speaks on rocky johnson extensively but he doesn't really say anything about murdoch the murdoch thing is creepy like we did a Dick Murdoch episode because he and he's a big piece of shit. Oh, he, uh, but he's a real cock. But like, there's a whole mum thing. Like to expand on that, there's a whole like no one really talks about Dick Murdoch because there's this huge level of reverence because he was uh, apparently such a good wrestler. Now it's the '70s, so I don't know if he was that good or if it was just the '70s. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like Dave Meltzer loves him. He's like a first ballot Wrestling Observer Hall of Famer. But like, there's just shit. Like I just wish that Dick Murdoch was around in this time now because he would have been out of wrestling in six months and we would have heard five stories that really tell us a lot about that man oh he would be the, and he would also be the governor of florida listen the thing with <laughs> the thing with dick murdoch is exactly it is it's also the people that are now that ran wrestling for about 30 years all of their favorite wrestler not when they were starting to get into wrestling but as they matured into wrestling watching wrestling is dick murdoch in the same way that like he's a a wrestler's wrestler and the idea that he did shit that made the wrestlers really happy, but not necessarily the crowd could get or enjoy. Yeah. 
So they all have a reverence yeah. for this guy that was essentially a racist drunk fuck who gave beer to his kid. Like, he's not a good man, but there's this odd sort of thing of like, but we liked what he did, so he's fine with us. And that's, it's the sad state of affairs. Yeah, we've said that we've said this on the program number of times, but they were scouting him to win the NWA title. And when the NWA committee was essentially like he was show, he had, having a showcase match for them to see if he could carry the territory, he did the Three Stooges thing of running around in a circle on the mat and making the noise that Curly does. Yeah, the whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, it's yeah running a circle on the ground. And then got up, looked at D- 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 Dusty Rhodes and said, I didn't want that belt anyway. He was a self-sabotaging, self-loathing fuck. And obviously also T- Tony Atlas, who probably has the same problems to himself, probably looked at him in, with a relatable sort of sense of like, I feel that way too. I honestly can't believe we're psychoanalyzing Dick Murdoch during the Tony Atlas episode. That's really insensitive to Tony Atlas. Step aside, black man. We need to talk about this racist some more. That's on you, Dylan. That was on you. So this is very interesting, though. He says, uh, Atlas says that when asked basically point blank about racism and wrestling, he says that black wrestlers, like black male wrestlers, I should say, did not have it as bad as women. Um... He gives the example of Jim Crockett flying Andre the Giant in the first time Tony met him and providing him with a chauffeur-driven limousine. He compares this to the women's champion, Fabulous Moolah, having to drive herself in a Cadillac filled with McDonald's Raptors, rap, McDonald's wrappers. I will propose this to you, Tony. Those McDonald's wrappers uh, were something uh, she ate, or maybe it was the uh, female wrestlers she sold into sex slavery. Yeah, I was going to say, those rappers were for the uh, female wrestlers she sold into sex slavery to dab the tears away from her eyes. It's the problem. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. Yeah, use Fabulous ha- Moolah episode, baby. Look it up. Yeah. She's a ter- she's history's greatest monster. <laughs> he uh, was the tag team. Like, it's, also, it's very interesting who he sides with in wrestling because it's a lot of times, like, it's it's interesting to see that he's able to expose, yeah, there was latent misogyny in wrestling that still is to this day. And it's odd that this guy that is, like, he comes across in shoot interviews like such a bumpkin weirdo, but also has some really brilliant insights to a lot of the problems with professional wrestling. He's a he's a real enigma, this Tony Atlas. Well, the shoot interview, let's say this about shoot interviews, that these are professional wrestlers and clearly they're working people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, wrestling... Obviously, during that time, it was a bunch of rednecks getting fucked up on pills, so there's a bunch of great stories, but I would propose to you, how many times have you been 10 out of 10 fucked up, night on the town, and remembered things? I get, like, it's... Every time. These are professional wrestlers, they're just making shit up, a lot of the times. They're just filling in blanks randomly. I am the smartest man out there. (laughs) But that's what, like, so Tony Atlas, I assume, a lot of times is just, like, kind of... He's fucking... There's so much money to be made, not so much money, but there is income to be made from shoot interviews of just, like, saying about the thing that happened. You know what I mean? So why not just make that thing a bit more, uh, I don't know, palatable, but just a little bit more interesting? Yeah. I think it's also just he's, I totally forgot what my point was. I'm too obsessed with the fact that the tag team he had with um, Rocky Johnson was called Soul Patrol. And all I can just think of is like, fuck me. Like, that sounds more like they're eliminating people who like soul music than anything else. Yeah, is that Marvin Gaye? Kill this man. Yeah, it sounds like they gave Marvin Gaye's dad the gun. It's absolutely like, so uh, we're jumping ahead. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah, it's a terrible joke, but it was very good. It was a very good <laughs> joke. 
why did he leave? Leaving the NWA seems sort of strange because he's so fucking over in this weird way and that he's protected. He only has good things to say about a lot of the wrestlers. He's in with Ole Anderson, and he's the only wrestler that Ole Anderson seems to ever have enjoyed. Well, I can guarantee it's because this. It's because Vince McMahon, at this point, has just has just um, basically planned out WrestleMania and is throwing all this money around, and he sees Tony Atlas, and he gets hard, finishes, and then gets full hard again. <laughs> and, like, that's what it is. Like Because he, he brings him in around. People, for, people forget this. He's in WWF from 81 to 84, and then uh, respite, and then back from 85 to 87. And I guarantee it was like, before he nailed down Hulk Hogan, he was like, maybe we can make this Tony Atlas guy. Absolutely. It's actually surprising that he wasn't big. Like, Tony Atlas, you could also put him with Bobby Heenan and make him an incredibly credible villain. Like, he has that look. He could have been a yeah. monster for Hulk Hogan, but it was obviously that Vince didn't trust him enough to actually do that. So instead, he was in Soul Patrol with Ricky, or Rocky fucking Johnson. But people, this is what we were saying is when people of a certain age like uh, i won't say of a certain age but like there are two comedians joe rogan and bill burr and whenever they talk about wrestling they say rick flair and then they say tony atlas like those are the two references they have for wrestling interesting so and that says something that says something that says like these guys are both like what 50s they're in their like late 40s early 50s, 50s yeah and yeah when they were watching wrestling tony atlas was the dude that's a fucking fair fucking good point. The other thing that's very interesting is that uh, I forgot that by 81, George Scott is at the www. So obviously that's also why he brought him up. Fun fact, they're in Los Angeles and they had four shows booked and Tony Atlas, instead of going to three of them, went and fucked his ex-girlfriend. Fuck. Yeah. YOLO. No. Condoms. And apparently... Vince wanted to uh, Vince wanted to fire him, but then George Scott uh, stepped in and saved the relationship. By '83, uh, he's teaming with Rocky Johnson under the name Soul Patrol. Uh, they beat the Wild Simones to win the WWF title. Uh, they also do a very fun interview with Roddy Piper, where Roddy Piper uh, is racist to them. Shocking! Oh, wow, I'm so shocked. Uh, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Like it was racist, but. If I didn't know who Roddy Piper was, I would have been like, that was racist. But knowing who Roddy Piper was, uh, watching it, I was like... That's politically correct. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This, it was it was like a, a, spe- it was a speech on gender norms to, compared to what I was expecting. <laughs> I was expecting them to sit down and Roddy Piper had just evolved into just a burning cross. And he was like, you fucking water, I don't like anything you guys do. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what Roddy Piper believed. He returns, because here's how, here's how what you can say about Tony Atlas's standing is um, he's like on and off, he's fucking up a lot. And this is before he returns to form the team with Rocky Johnson. Um but he's fucking up a lot. Like, he misses a bunch of dates, but he still gets to beat Hulk Hogan in the short window before Hogan had the title, before he wins from the Iron Sheik. Like, that's what they thought of it. It's, like, they were so, like, and also, and he's in this tag team with Rocky Johnson, and they are not getting along. Here are some of the reasons why. Uh, Tony's also very upset that uh, um, Rocky Johnson being referred to as a, the first black champion drove him crazy, and they're putting uh, Tony tagging with a black person it was the worst thing the wwe could have ever done he said that rocky johnson didn't even take black wi- black women tony and rocky would constantly fight vince told rocky and tony they had to ride together and rocky would just not pick him up this is my one of my favorite stories though like 
because he, he hates he hates Rocky Johnson. But this is prepare not to try try not to like Rocky Johnson after what I'm about to tell you is that apparently um, he sold Bill Watts a horse, and then when Bill Watts went to pick up the horse, the horse was dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rocky Johnson fucking rules. Someone left a car at his house for two days, so he just sold the car. This is Rocky Johnson. Yeah, Rick Martel left his car at Rocky Johnson's house, so Ricky so, so Rocky sold it to uh, Special Delivery Jones. I do wonder what the fuck. Like, imagine you're The Rock, you're a millionaire, and that guy's your dad. Like, you know that, like, Rock, <laughs> like Rocky Johnson, a guy who, if, when the Rock, Rocky Johnson visits his son, like, four things are stolen. That's so funny, because a guy who, and I'm not making, like, um, casually uh, smoked a joint with my friends uh, outside a club in Toronto, and then just casually offered them crack, and when they didn't want it, just smoked crack. Who is this? Rocky Johnson. What? <laughs> yeah, he 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 had crack like so he offered crack like it was gum, and then just kind of had some. And like I mean, and they were like, "What are you doing?" No, <laughs> no wonder Dwayne the Rock Johnson is so positive. Just like all you gotta do is not be my dad, not be my dad, not be my dad. <laughs> all you gotta do is not be my dad. Time to eat fish and not cry. <laughs> But apparently, all right, so Tony Atlas is getting pretty hard into drugs here, and he was supposed to win the Intercontinental title, uh, but due to missing dates and being a general fuck-up, essentially, uh, he is fired for a short while, he's brought back, and doesn't pass. And we've all seen this throughout the years in the WWF, is essentially man fucks up, and then he's brought back at a much, much lesser role. Uh, he's a jobber to the stars, basically jobbing to people like King Kong Bundy. Uh, he jobs to Harley Race, uh, Hercules, and apparently uh, him and Ted Arcidi, the world's strongest man, had a match that was so shit, everyone in the crowd booed them, and Gorilla Monsoon and Lord Alfred Hayes just made fun of how bad they were. How much do you want to bet that Lord Alfred Hayes had his dick out during the making, the mocking of Tony Atlas and was just miming, yeah. look at this? <laughs> No, he was probably just showing it to Gorilla Monsoon. He was like, Oh, da, da, Lord Alfred Ace, why do you have it out all the time? Yeah. In future, this will be a crime, but right now it's just tomfoolery because it's the 80s. Lord Alfred Ace has exposed his glutamus maximus penimus penipopata peepopi penipopi. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Gorilla Let's Monsoon, by hog. the way. Every anecdote about him from a wrestler starts with, well, he was having a cigarette. No wonder he died so young. <laughs> so uh, he moves on after 1987 to uh, World Class Championship Wrestling, where things are getting pretty hairy over there. Oh, yeah. And of course. What's that, Tony? You got a drug addict? Uh, you got a drug addiction? Time to come work at the meth lab. <laughs> You're an amateur. Here are the pros. The Von Erics all died very young. I don't know if this is confirmed or denied, but Jim Cornette, I think it's Jim Cornette, claims that Carrie Von Erich once walked into the backstage area and said, has anyone seen my dog? And Carrie Von Erich did not own a dog. I mean, I get that. <laughs> like, oh no. That could also have been concussions, though. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a lot. Like, the Von Erich thing is one of those things where you're like, oh, Fritz beat his kids. Like, you're just like, oh, they were just horrifically sad and they got beaten by their dad. That's what it is. YOLO Patrol. <laughs> yeah, exactly. YOLO Patrol. Not, not the way to say that, that. That'll be my tag team, the YOLO Patrol. Yeah, just you and Rocky Johnson, but you make Rocky Johnson white up. 
Your skin's dirty, No, Rocky. no. Yes? That's where we both do MDMA and we have glow sticks. and they're But they're like, where are the glow sticks? And I'll be like, they're all in my butt. <laughs> and then I fart them out and we start the match. <laughs> <laughs> if it was the Attitude Era, <laughs> that would be so on television. Yeah, I would do the Rikishi stink face, but I after that, fart out glow sticks onto his face. <laughs> I think that's good. It's the best thing I've ever heard on the show. <laughs> so let's talk about the sad thing that happens before the other sad thing and then the end of his uh, career bruiser brody's murder tony atlas is there for bruiser brody's murder for those of you who don't know bruiser brody was noted hard uh noted progenitor of hardcore wrestling and also noted i don't give a fuck you are the booker get ready to fucking hate me he was working in yeah. puerto rico and for some reason that's never really truly been uh, explained, Jose Gonzalez, a.k.a. Uh, Invader 1, I believe, um, uh, who was also the book. Two? It was Invader 2. I always get this confused. Sure. It was either Invader 1 or 2. It wasn't Invader 3. That guy's a woman and a nun. Invited Tony, or invited Bruiser Brody into the showers, uh, where he then stabbed him, and the ambulance didn't arrive for 40 minutes. Yeah. Basically, there's a he could have recovered from the he could have recovered from it, but uh, Carlos Colon did not call the ambulance for a very long time. Carlos Colon did not call the ambulance for a very long time. As well, the trial was held uh, before subpoenas were sent to the various American wrestlers that could have testified that Jose Gonzalez um, uh, had clearly premeditated this murder and had nothing to do with self-defense, which was his defense. He, by the way, got totally acquitted and. Um, Continued to wrestle for quite some time, causing most American wrestlers to stop going to Puerto Rico uh, for uh, a while. They eventually went back because wrestlers are scummy, and the WWF were entered into a working relationship with Carlos Colon uh, in the early 90s, which resulted in such things as someone throwing pee on The Undertaker in 1994. Yes, and uh, Tony... Was told by Dutch Mantel to leave, or sorry, he was told by Savio Vega to leave the country right now because he was a witness to a murder and would also be murdered, and he did. Yeah, Tony Atlas was also, by the way, Dutch Mantel was uh, was in the locker room, didn't see it. Tony Atlas claims to have uh, basically seen the murder happen and was holding Bruiser Brody's hand as he went into the ambulance. They were separated and weren't allowed to go to the hospital. There's also potentiality that there was negligence by the paramedics, but who the fuck knows? Yeah, it clearly affected Tony Atlas uh, to his fucking core. He constantly brings it up yeah. and wouldn't fucking you. You're at your job and then the guy who's in charge just stabs one of your coworkers, comes back and keeps lacing up his boots. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the, apparently it was like Brody, because Brody was pretty notorious for holding people up for money. And this was, a, this was just a rib gone awry. This was one of the British Bulldogs' famous ribs. Yes, this is all actually perpetrated by the dynamite kid, and one thing went too far. They're actually not sure about that. They also think that it may have been just Jose Gonzalez just fucking uh, was done with Bruiser Brody. Shit, Bruiser Brody was also a very powerful draw in Puerto Rico. Carlos Colon apparently was quite jealous about this, as was uh, Jose Gonzalez and this other guy. Oh, there was a, Pol a Czechoslovakian wrestler who was part of it as well. Govia? Oh, I can't remember. None of it's good. None of it's good. Apparently, Vice is going to have a documentary about Bruiser Brody later in the year, and maybe that'll answer some questions, or it's Vice, so they might just focus on what hardcore bands he liked. Yeah. Here's a, this is a band in Texas. They're grime hardcore, and they're called Bruiser Snowy. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, uh, he actually was really into Minor Threat. Yeah. 
Stand up was about how he tried to stand up after he got stabbed. <laughs> yeah, you fucking losers. You are bad at life. Luckily, uh, Tony Atlas is able to recover from this horrific trauma by returning to the WWF in a very politically correct uh, uh, character. Yeah, and the character it makes basically, the character makes Kamala uh, look... Like Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, he, uh, he the character is Saba Simba, oh, which no. uh, in translation means seven lions. So the idea behind the character is it's a warrior that has killed seven lions. And as I told you off air, John, uh, this during his debut against the Brooklyn Brawler, which is on YouTube, you can look this up. Bobby Heenan says this guy fights like a savage, and then Vince McMahon says, "Be that as it may." YOLO. Oh boy. He literally walks to the ring with a spear and a shield and a headdress, and his entire theme song is just lions and then beats. It's it's the most the most nineteen twenties racist thing I've seen in my life. Nineteen nineties are an interesting time in the WWE because this was before Vince McMahon was like everyone has to have a job. This is when he was like everyone's an animal. So Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was literally a dragon. The British Bulldog was like literally portrayed to be like a dog and Saba Simba had to pretend to be a lion, I guess. Yeah, this is a weird one because it's it really marks exactly what you're saying, the jumping of the shark because yeah, the British bulldog, uh, sorry, the like you said, Ricky Steamboat wasn't Ricky Steamboat anymore. He was the dragon. Uh the Tito Santana was El Matador. Yes, so he literally was a matador. I forgot about that. And Tony Atlas was a was a uh tribesman. Yeah. Like the, when in reality, six years earlier, all these guys had been legitimate wrestlers, legitimate, um, amazing champions. Like you're essentially just trying to make your audience just you. This is one of the first times in uh, something that's m- like m- completely marred the WWF has in this shit is just being like, ah, uh, this guy's this now. And just hoping your audience will be like, why would I remember that? That would be stupid. Yeah, that was two years ago. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's something that I don't know why they continue to do today. It's he's not Adam Rose. He's blah, 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 blah. and it's like no, just keep him as who he is. Like it's one of yeah. those things where let the people's natural fucking bullshit come out. The reason why Prince Divot was so good in that New Japan is he's kind of a moody dick. And then Finn Balor being like he's got a jacket. It's just like oh for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, Finn Balor's whole character is like this guy likes that jacket. <laughs> so. He essentially is out of the WWF pretty quickly. He has a short run in WCW um, where he like jobs to Vader. Um, and he's pretty much out of wrestling, doing some indie stuff. He does return to the WWE in 2008 um, as a special guest ring announcer. And then I am what most people probably will remember him for, if you're listening to this, is him being Mark Henry's valet, uh, where he wore a shirt a suit with a tie and no motherfucking sleeves on that shirt because baby tony atlas might be nearly 60 years old how old is he in 2008 he's 54 so he's born in 54 it's 2008 he is a 54 year old man and god damn it he's more jacked than i'll ever be in my fucking life yeah and he looks fat compared to me which is most people no he looks very good no uh, john i'm looks very like tight i'm very shit. taut tell the audience i'm taut john has uh john has more rolls than a fucking bakery i'll tell you that that's not true i avoid carbs go ahead dylan but he does a, a, like a great job and that sounds fucked up but it's like it's just tony atlas wearing a suit with no uh sleeves it totally works 
and it works for Mark Henry because Mark Henry gets to be the mouthpiece, but also gets to cheat to win, which is the way that he helps uh, Mark Henry win the ECW title. Is this yeah? Is, this is before Hall of Pain, Mark Henry. This is just this is when Mark Henry finally this is was just Hall of Pain. This is just starting them to be like Mark Henry's actually good at this, and everyone else is being shitty. But it's like no, Mark Henry is now a good wrestler. You're gonna have to accept that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um. Yeah, Tony Atlas also was on Legends House and now appears in various shoot interviews, being entertaining as fuck and talking about how he likes to fuck feet. That man loves feet. John, what's the best thing about Tony Atlas? He has had one of the hardest lives between drug addiction, working at McDonald's in 1989, being called a savage by two white men on national television, and he's still positive. Like, he's still positive and like, yeah, I made some mistakes, but all in all, I've had a good life. I don't like these people, but... Hey, I came from nothing, and I made something of myself, and it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, can you go talk to Enzo Amore and tell him, like, maybe don't make a rap album, and also, you're definitely a rapist. All right, cool. I'm off to eat lean <laughs> chicken. Don't eat, don't make a rap album that's blaming the victims. Yeah. Um, I think the best thing about Tony Atlas is clearly his look. I mean, go look at Tony Atlas. They do in Georgia Championship Wrestling uh, does, like, a workout video that's just three minutes long of Tony Atlas lifting weights, and... It kind of, all right, so it kind of highlights how Tony Atlas was maybe Lex Luger of the late 70s. Interesting. Like, this guy has nothing, none of, he has none of the other parts to being a pro wrestler, but good Lord, let's pour water on that body because I want to see a fall. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like he has none of the other skills he needs, but luckily he has this one and we'll figure it out. Yeah, it's the most important one. Like this guy is intimidating. Let's fuck him in the ass. You know what I mean? Okay, that last let's part let him of that fuck really me in the ass. Oh, I understand. And I'd say, the, what's the worst thing about uh, Tony Atlas uh, for you, John, other than his race? Uh, it's his race, first off. That's not true. That's Dylan's views. Um, <laughs> this is a hard one. I think part of me wants to say his drug addiction ruining his career, his hard life leading to all of those being his problems. But I'm going to say Saba Simba. That poor man has been through so much. And Vince McMahon was like, hey, I know how you're from the South and not from Africa. But guess what? That's where you're from now. A booga booga booga. Now get in there, Schwoogie, and fucking dance for me. It's embarrassing, and you can see in his face, he's just like, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, it, and he just doesn't try. Like, he says himself during that period, he just didn't have the fire or the energy anymore. And at that point, at he's, what, 1954, he's about 37, so yeah, and he's starting to, like, the prime of his life has been used by doing the pro wrestling triforce of travel getting beat up and then of course drugs bear in mind also vince mcmahon didn't have him be a new guy named saba simba he was tony atlas who went to africa killed seven lions and came back as saba simba which i feel yeah. is worse it's a full it's a full mosaic of racism oh, this yeah. guy traveled and realized that he is nothing <laughs> yeah he is nothing but a stereotype that we came up with in the 1700s. Basically, they wanted a ripped babyface Kamala, and then they just did what they could. Yeah. I think the worst thing about Tony Atlas is, um, I mean, his working is bad. It's He's not good in the ring. Yeah, that, that was a given, and I figured you'd bring that up because you don't like black people, so of course you'd bring up his work ethic. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to call Dylan a racist, that's Dylan Agot. Um, oh, no, wait, that's not it. It's Dylan Gott. Uh, at Dylan Gott. Yeah, no .com or anything. Just Dylan Gott at Dylan Gott. No, it's at Dylan Gott on Twitter. No, it's not. What is it on Twitter? It's at Dylan Gott. What? What the? F what did I say? Yeah, you said it, but you just didn't pronounce the Y hard enough. 
<laughs> All right, that's good. I'm not a D-I-L-L-O-N. I'm not a bitch. Let's go fight people who don't put the J, the H in their name if they're John. I do. And I-L-L-O-Ns. Let's have a fucking brawl. Let's eliminate them all from the world. Yeah, they're they're worse than 100 Hitlers. Everyone knows that. <laughs> yeah, they are worse than 100 Hitlers. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Tony Atlas, and we are very, very, very happy. Next week, we're going to bring to you Mean Gene Okerlund's own episode. Maybe it'll be two parts, probably just one. I feel like... But who knows? It might be three hours of serial killer jokes. Yeah, like it's it's going to be hard not to make... It's, I'm going to be hard. That's all I'm going to say. If you are a new listener, here's basically the premise for next week's episode. Mean Gene Okerlund is a serial yeah, killer. Yeah, Mean Gene Okerlund is... And a, that's probably going to be the whole show. He's a sadosexual killer. And if you don't believe us, well... Fuck you. <laughs> he's like the bad guy in Dexter, but they never caught him. That's the whole idea we have. Yeah. He's like Dexter, but without any of the morality. He's more just like, well, why wouldn't you kill people? <laughs> this is fun and my whole life. So listen, So please listen to that next week. And uh, also, Tony Atlas, if you're out there, good for you. Because at this point in his life, he is 64 years old, 380 in wrestler years, yeah. through drug addiction, Back on steroids, and baby, he's living his fucking life. Drink deep from the cup of life, Tony, and go and heckle The Rock's movies because you think that's Rocky Johnson. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Hey, bye. bye, 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 bye. The front of the line, the back of the line, but gradually, because I was persistent and because I was more man than the other wrestler alive, this became mine. Along with this came... The $500 suit, the $100 ties, the lizard shoes, the Rolex watches, the diamonds, the gold, everything that Ric Flair has ever wanted and ever represented is mine now because I'm the world heavyweight champion. And Tony Atlas, I don't mean to degrade you as a man, but you aren't in the class. You haven't got the prestige. Sure, you're a great athlete, great body, an average wrestler, but you don't have what it takes to be in the ring with me when it comes to the world heavyweight title. Well, I think you've made your point abundantly clear and uh-huh. Excuse me, Mr. Champion, but I understand you was out here talking about me, and, and I want to understand exactly what you were saying about me. Well, that's going to take a long time. So I'm going to say it real How come you can't give me a title you know, shot? First of all, let's make one thing clear. When they allot me time on World Championship Wrestling, nobody but Gordon Foley and myself stand here. Now, I'm talking to you, boy. You listen to me. First of all, first of all, you can't come out here wearing this honky shirt and those funky pants and have your hair all greased up and try and tell me what to do. I'm the greatest wrestler alive. Now listen, listen to me, boy. I'm talking to you. I'm the greatest wrestler alive today. And you get yourself straight, brother. You understand what I'm telling you? You get yourself straight. I'm kidding. Oh, 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 hey. Don't start shaking for me, brother. I'll take off these sunglasses and I'll drop you like a bad habit. I'm telling you, I'll put my hands anywhere I want to. You understand what I'm telling you? I'll put my hands anywhere I want to.